Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello and welcome along to the latest edition of Paper Talk Extra from the Irish Examiner Sports team here in Examiner Towers. I'm joined today by regular analyst Rob McNamara and for the first time on the show, Steve Neville. Steve, of course, who was with us all along and doing those videos back in the day. Steve, it's good to have you on the show. Welcome to it. Good to be here, lads. Thanks yeah, for having yeah. me. He'll never shut up, just in advance. Um, I'm just joking. All right, we're going to start today by discussing the World Cup playoff draw. Ireland got as good a draw as you could possibly hope for from an Irish perspective. We'll also talk about who, at the moment, do we believe is the best-placed team to lift the trophy. Um, you would have to say that, obviously, the regular names, the likes of Germany, Spain, but, of course, France now are, have to come into that mix as well. Later on, we'll discuss the Premier League. We haven't talked about it yet in the show. Um, what is the competition or top four likely to be from what we've seen thus far? Can any team catch Man City? I personally don't think so, but we'll go into that in greater detail later. And we'll also discuss the English teams in the Champions League. How far will they go and will it be City, of course, that will go furthest of all based on the fact that they are probably the best team in England. We're going to begin by discussing Ireland, Martin O'Neill, Roy Keane, the whole shebang. The Irish Army are off to Copenhagen, Rob. And, of course, it'll be a momentous occasion again for Irish football. I think they'll qualify. What do you think? Um, well, I suppose the first thing that came to mind when the the draw was made was, um, you know, thank God, first of all, you know, that we got Denmark and we didn't get some of the other teams in there, you know, um, the Italy's and, and, and the Portugal's and whatnot, or sorry, the Croatia's. Um, what, what I usually do when, when, when these kind of draws are made is, is the first thing you do is you look at the threats, the possible threats that, you know, are in the Denmark side. And to be fair, like, there's not a whole lot in there. I mean... Nicholas Bentner is their top scorer, 77 caps and 29 goals, and you know he doesn't have the best rep- reputation. He's at Rosenborg now. He still comes up with, it, with one every now and again, so he will he will be a danger. Um, but you know Christian Eriksen as well. You know Tottenham's playmaker in good form at the moment. You would be a little bit worried about him. They've got another guy, Thomas Delaney at Werder Bremen, um, decent player with an Irish name. Um, but besides that, you're you're, you're kind of you're not really too worried about them, you know. They're they're they're, they're a very much a pedestrian side to play a long ball system. I think the problem for us will be penetrating their their defence. They've got some decent defenders. Simon Kiar, who's at um, Sevilla, a very experienced player. He's their captain. Andreas Christensen, who's at Chelsea. Um, I've seen him a few on a few occasions. Steve might be able to tell me different now, but I, I've been very impressed with him. Um, and and then Casper Schmeichel, who's a solid goalkeeper at the back, you know. So um, I think they'll be looking at us and they'll be saying the same thing that we're saying about them. There's not a whole lot of threats, but you know the the, the problem will be 
to penetrate um, th- that you know defensive line. I think that is the thing because I mean Ireland aren't exactly uh, blessed with great goal scorers at the moment. I mean Sean McGuire got a few minutes. He's doing well at Preston. Shane Long hasn't been in, in the greatest form of his life. I mean we're relying on J- players like James McLean from out wide to get the goals and Robbie Brady and Christensen is a, he's done almost what many people said is unthinkable. And he's a player from Chelsea's academy who's broken into the first squad. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And he's playing on a regular basis now under Antonio Conte. So he seems to have a lot of confidence going in. And I think Ericsson, regardless of how good Bender is, I think Ericsson is going to continuously push chances on a play for him. And I mean, if you get enough chances, the goals are going to go in. So I don't think we should be packing our bag for us just yet. But cautiously optimistic, I think, is the, is the preferred way to go into the game. I suppose a lot depends on who we pick in the forward line. Um, I think Shane Long has played uh, 42 games now for club and country and scored one goal, so that's a worry. Um, I think you know Daryl Murphy is probably the guy that we need to put up there up front, um, home and away. Um, you know because we will have to go physical against that um, resolute Denmark um, defence. Um, they're not going to give up many chances we don't create many chances we already know that um, so it could come down to a ball that's knocked into the box Darren Murphy with his head um, getting on the end of it um, so it, it, you know, it, it's, it's, it's not going to be pretty football it's going to be pretty pedestrian between the two sides and very very cautious I would say probably much more so in, in, in the first leg um, so a lot will depend on personnel selection I kind of agree with you saying to play Darren Murphy but the only thing is that if you play Darren Murphy you kind of need to tweak the whole thing a small bit the whole the tactics because they were kind of against Wales you saw they were banging balls into the channels where Shane Long would normally be after them not a bar to him but Darren Murphy doesn't have that speed or that fitness so I mean at the end of the Wales game you saw Darren Murphy was kind of walking around the pitch he was absolutely shattered and he put in a great shift but so if you're playing him up top on his own you have to have someone advanced wish him so if he's winning flick-ons someone can run onto them someone else can run to the channels and Darren Murphy can catch up and support so it'd be interesting if he goes for kind of Darren Murphy up top on his own isolated a small bit or if he plays someone off him like if he plays Shane Long and Darren Murphy if they're both fit well, that's a, a very interesting point that you're making there, Steve, I have to say, about Murphy. Um, certainly, I thought he did quite well over the last number of games. But the, the, the key thing will be to adopt a positive approach in Copenhagen, Rob, wouldn't it be? Like, if we sat back and waited for the likes of Christian Eriksen to open the door for them, you're only asking for trouble, aren't you? That's the worry. That's, that's a real worry, because I don't think there's a hope in hell we'll go to Denmark and attack them. Um, I think we're going to be very cautious. I think we'll be patient and wait it out. Um, but you know, the problem with that is a player with Christian's quality, um, Christian Eriksen's quality, um, he can create a chance himself. You know, he did it a few weeks ago for um, for Spurs at, at, at Wembley. I think it was last week actually. Um, you know, he got a ball on the edge of the box, two defenders in front of him jinked to his left and, and hit, a, hit a shot from long range which, which beat the keeper you know, and he's capable of doing that you know, are we capable of, of stopping him I just hope in the away leg that you know, there's something that's rotten in the state of Denmark isn't our football um, but unfortunately I think that's the way it's going to play out I think, I think it, it could be a case where Martin really should almost look at playing someone to just man Mark Eriksson because he is the, he's the linchpin. I mean, even at Spurs, he's the man that everything runs through. Who should man Mark Eriksson? 
it's a good question. It would have to be someone who can maintain the fitness. It's like so you, I don't think Glenn Whelan would be able to do it. So maybe even someone like Hendrick, who's like he doesn't stop running. He he's all go. So if you have someone like him, man marking Ericsson, it might nullify uh, Ericsson's ability to change the game. It would be ideal, really, if Myler wasn't suspended for this game. He could do that role and. I would say he would do it quite well. Absolutely, yeah. They might, he's he's the perfect choice, really, because he's, I mean, and he, and he might make Ericsson a little bit uncomfortable and make him lose interest and in, not lose interest in the game, but less comfortable on the ball because because is would be kind of no nonsense and it might upset Ericsson a small bit when he gets the ball at his feet because he knows Myler's going to be around. In fairness as well, Ron, they have a pretty decent goalkeeper in Casper Schmeichel, so it's not as if Ireland are going to have to come up against a guy that could throw one in, so to speak. He's rock solid in fairness, so like, you know, the opportunities that Ireland do get, which will be few and far between, you would imagine, over the two legs, given the way they play generally, again, like they were in Wales with James McLean, they have to be incredibly clinical, don't they? Yeah, that's the thing with Casper Schmeichel. He's no longer Peter Schmeichel's son. He's you know Premier League winner in his own right. Um, he's probably going to move on from Leicester, I would imagine, at, at the end of this season to a bigger club. Um, it could be Manchester United if if, if Real Madrid make uh, moves for David de Gea. Um, you know, if we if we get a chance, and we might only get one or two chances over there, especially, you have to take them. You have to be clinical. That's what we did against Wales, and you saw, you know, the the result that we got from that, and you know the celebrations at the end. Um, but it will come down to maybe one or two chances, and they'll have they'll have chances as well. They'll have chances over there, and they'll have chances in the Aviva. Um, so it's 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 a game that's going to come down to very 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 fine margins, I would imagine. Will Ireland qualify? I I hope so. I, th- I think we'll get I think we'll get a draw over there because I think Martin O'Neill's cautious approach and um, would probably play you know two banks of four or maybe even you know six six man defence. Um, uh, but you know I I I think we will get a draw over there. But you know taking them back to the Aviva, you'd hope that the the crowd will be the the twelfth man and take us over the line. Um, but you know it will come down to those small chances and we're going to have to take them when they come. Steve, what are your opinions on that? Do you think that Ireland will get over the line? Oh, Obviously, I, it's hard to say Denmark are the marginal favourites with the bookmakers to, to, to progress. But I really do believe Ireland will do it. I, I'm normally uh, overly optimistic about these things anyway. But I do think, that, I think they will do it. I think, I mean, Denmark is the best option out of the things we could have had. I mean, I was afraid they were going to get Croatia and I was kind of And the fact that having the second leg at home, I think, is incredible. A huge benefit having the second leg at home, especially because you know it's going to be a set-out in the Aviva, the Aviva's going to be happening. And I think with that sort of uh, atmosphere that's going to be in, in Dublin that night, I think that could help Ireland get over the get over the line over the two legs and then it'll be on to Russia. Touch okay. wood. Just, just to talk about the tournament overall, Steve, for a moment... At the present time, the likes of Germany, the usual names are up there at the top of the list in terms of shortlist for people who believe who will win the tournament outright next summer. Who do you think is best placed to lift the trophy at the moment? Obviously, it's a long, long way off. A lot can happen. Players can get injured. Farm can change like overnight. But Absolutely, but at I, present, I still think I don't think you can look past Germany at the moment because I think they won the Confederation Cup last year with pretty much their B team. I mean, they have such depth in every position. I mean, 
it, it looks like they're going to be unbeatable. If they if they if they if their star players hit form at the right time, I mean, they could have a superb tournament. Yeah, you're right, Steve. You know, look, Germany could f- probably field nearly three teams if they wanted. Um, I'm kind of looking over at Brazil and thinking, you know, they're forming a side now, which looks like it could go very far. Um, Marquinhos and Miranda at the back, Dani Alves, Marcelo, Casemiro, Paulinho, and then up front you've got Coutinho, Neymar, and, and Jesus. That's a formidable, formidable uh, front line, you know. Throw in Renate Augusto as well. Um, you know, Belgium are, are a team that interests me. I think, you know, they've failed to deliver on expectations in the last couple of tournaments that they were in. But if you look at, you know, their, their first 11, um, very experienced players in there Courtois, Lerveireld, Company, Vertongen, Mounier, Witzel, De Bruyne, Carrasco, who I, I really, really like as a player, mm. uh, Mertens, Eden, Eden Hazard, and, and Lukaku. It's a very, very strong uh, lineup there, and they've got options as well with the likes of Fellaini coming in off the bench. Um, but for me, um, the, the team I will be looking at um, over in um, Russia will be France. I think France have a very, very, very strong side, and you know, they went up almost all the way in Euro 2016 um, but that front line of Mbappe, Griezmann, you throw Dimitri Poya in there as well they've got a very strong midfield, Kante, Matuidi Pogba driving through the midfield you know he's failed mm-hmm. to deliver uh, on big occasions in the past for France this could be his time and then at the back you know Varane and Koscielny and they've got decent full backs as well so um, France could have a really really strong tournament, I'm not too sure about Spain I think the gleam's gone off Spain a little bit. Yeah, I come back with you on that one because I disagree, and I I thought that was the case for a se- I thought that was the case certainly before I watched them play Italy. Just only I'd say about two months ago, and they absolutely wiped the floor with Italy. They were amazing on the night. Morato is Morata Isco. They were just absolutely electric when you have like at the end of the day, you know, you have David de Gea, you have Pique and Ramos at the back. Danny Carvajal, Jordi Alba, that defence in itself is is actually more solid than people kind of think. There's a perception around them that they would be caught wholesale against the top teams, but they actually they've proved in the past that they keep a lot of clean sheets. To be fair, and would you like uh, and Andres Iniesta has kind of found another level of form again, which is unbelievable given how good he is. So I wouldn't rule him out, but I do think France are going to be very hard to beat. Just going back to Belgium for a second, Steve. Just on just on Belgium. With Roberto Martinez and Thierry Henry at the helm there, I personally believe that tactically when it comes down to it, they'll come, come up short. I think, I think the problem with Belgium has been, over the last, after the last couple of major tournaments, is that they just, they've been very individual. And I, and I don't think the, the manager, the, Martinez has to be strong enough to, to play a, a, a tactical game where he tells players what to do, he can't just say, lads, just go out and play football because there needs mm. to be a structure around it. So I don't know if Martinez is a strong enough manager to deliver for the Belgian team. I mean, they have a, f- a phenomenal squad of players, but do they have a phenomenal team? That's the question. And they've proved at the last two major championships that they, their team, for all its superstars, isn't that good when they play together as a team. I mean, if you look at the Bruyne, Hazard, Lukaku, um, Carrasco, who I agree is a great player, I mean... Mm. They're all phenomenal players, and in their club game, they're all standout stars. But, I mean, when you put them together, they realistically should be challenging for major honours at all major tournaments, and, and they haven't been. Mm. 
I think that's a very fair assessment. Rob, you're going to stick with France? Yeah, I'd, I'm going to stick with France. Um, you know, uh, Steve pointed out Germany as well. Uh, look, we can't discount Argentina either. I know they had their problems in the, the qualifying rounds, but, you know, Messi is going to be, what, you know, 35, 34, 35 come the next tournament. He's going to want to win the World Cup before he's that age. Like, um, And they've got quality all over the pitch as well. Um, you know, Romero, Otamendi, <laughs> Rocco... Um, but their midfield is fantastic, Mascherano, and then they've got you know Messi, Dybala, Di Maria, Higuain, loads and loads and loads of attacking options, and they're always good in defence. Argentina, you know, they're always good defensive sides. So no, look, I stick with France, but it's going to be an interesting tournament. Steve, uh, nail your colours to the mast. I'm going to stick with Germany. I think okay. they have such depth; it's hard to look past them. I mean, mm-hmm. an injury can kind of ruin a team's World Cup but Germany seemed to have enough to get by with a couple of injuries I'll throw one into the mix that could have gone better at the Euros except for they were two goals up in a group game and their fans lost the plot in the stands totally ruined their buzz on the pitch and they conceded two late goals Croatia who are Sasic was in charge in America for a long while and clearly things weren't going so well uh, Luka Modric and Co produced an amazing performance when they needed to away to Ukraine and got a result which was Pretty good, given that Ukraine were flying at home. So I would throw them into the mix as kind of a dark horse. But really, it's very difficult in these tournaments to look outside of the the big boys, so to speak. So our second topic of discussion this week is the Premier League. We haven't actually touched on it yet on Paper Talk Extra. Rob, Manchester United fan that you are, and I'm sitting with a Chelsea fan, and of course I'm myself a Tottenham fan, so it's a very interesting time, certainly for the Manchester clubs, you would imagine. Um... And good friends of yours in Manchester City, not <laughs> going great guns. Let's call a spade a spade. They're only two points ahead at the moment, but in my humble opinion, they'll be at least eight points ahead in May. Yeah, they're they're playing some fantastic football. I think they're they the first team to win three consecutive home games with five goals or more. <laughs> um, you know that's a phenomenal achievement. Yeah, it's got twenty nine times. Yeah, uh, look, they're 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 turning into a typical um, Pep Guardiola team. Um, you know, passing the ball out from the back and it just overwhelmed teams by winning the ball high up the pitch, you know. Um, they always seem to have, you know, loads of players in the box. Um, but I think, you know, I think it'll suit Man United at the moment to let City have all the, the plaudits, as, as Roy Keane has said in recent days. They are playing very, very well. They're, they're still, they're, there are still question marks over their defence. Um, and going forward in the league, you know, Premier League is, is, is tough, you know, with all the, the cup competitions that are there and the European competitions as well. You know, they may get one or two injuries. Um, you know, we're coming into the November, December um, the time of the season now where, where there's traditionally a lot of games. How will they stand up to the physicality? Um, you know, there's a lot of diminutive players in, in the City team. Um, they don't really have, you know, a strong... Um, Spine throughout the team. I mean, they've players like Fernandinho and and Yaya Torre, um, but they don't have kind of players that can you know, that can go you know and and put it up to the the, the likes of you know the Stokes and you know the West Ham's and you know the other phys- West Brom's and the other physical sides like, um, so when they have a dip in quality, how are they going to eke out results when you know maybe you know, they're they're only gonna you know possibly get a 1 or 2 nil win that's when I think Man United can come along and take advantage um, 
looking at Spurs, I wouldn't discount them from the title race either, uh, especially after what they did last season. So, you know, City are going well, but it, it's still only eight games in, and they were going well at this time of last season as well, and it all kind of fell apart. Yeah, but surely you would agree they're a different, oppos- different proposition this season than oh, they were yeah, last they've season. Had, they've added loads, loads and loads yeah. of quality into their side. They spent, what, £100 million on full-backs. They brought in a better goalkeeper who was more able to, to clear his box and comes off Well, he's actually able to use his hands, which is a, is a huge positive. Well, yeah, yeah. Um, but look, as I said, you know, when, it, when, this, when the league gets more physical and um, they start to lose players, it'll be interesting to see how they deal with it. But they are favourites at the moment, there's no doubt about that. Rob says begrudgingly. <laughs> begrudgingly. Uh, Steve, Tottenham are going along okay, um, I suppose, given the fact that they moved to Wembley for, for the season that's in it. They still have five wins and two draws out of eight games. The only team that have beaten them so far is Chelsea, and that was a smash and grab job, really, at Wembley. Even as a Chelsea fan, you'd admit that. But um, in fairness, where do you stand on what exactly Spurs can achieve this year? Is it fair to say that if Tottenham finish in the top four, given that they're in that kind of transition year, I hate using the word, but let's be honest, they are because of where they are, literally. Would the top four finish be a major achievement again? I think Spurs should be should be aiming for a third. I mean, because I think they should be aiming for they should be into winning it first of all. And they, but they should be. I think I I think they should be aiming for second or third. I think they should be trying to catch United. I don't think they're going to catch City. I disagree with what Rob said about City. I don't think they're going to dip. I think Fernandinho is strong enough to play in centre midfield and hold his own there. And they have the best player in the Premier League in De Bruyne at the moment. So I I think they're not going to be caught. But Spurs, I think, should be aiming for second. I mean. They have such a such a talented squad. They have Harry Kane, they have Ali, Eriksen. They're so good going forward, and they're strong defensively. And they've improved by bringing in Sanchez from Ajax. So I think they have to be looking at second. They need to be getting consistency because the biggest problem with Spurs for so long was that they they have a great season at finishing a Champions League spot, and the next season they finish sixth. So they need to be going for consistent football and consistent finishes the whole time. I think Pochettino was going to demand that anyway. So, I mean, I think they need to be aiming to get first or second. I mean, it's about time Spurs started challenging consistently for a title anyway. But um, I, th- I think it's going to be City, United, Spurs and Chelsea in the top for anyway come the end of the season. I think Chelsea will sneak into sneak into fourth because we've seen with Chelsea a few times this year, especially against Man City when Morata get injured and against Palace, without a top centre-forward, they seem absolutely toothless. They seem... They don't seem to want to know about 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 the game. I mean, Hazard can't play, kind of, off a play a substandard centre forward. We saw with Bashway. he scored some important goals. Most of them have been off the bench. Uh, I mean, against Man City, it was kind of telling that Conte, uh, when Morata got injured, he brought on William up front, and with Bashway sitting on the bench, which I thought was a very strange move on us because of how poor City or how poor Chelsea seem to be when they don't have a centre forward. Do you find that quite odd because of the fact that Batshuayi is getting a lot of goals when he makes cameo appearances and plays in the cup games? He seems to score in literally every game he plays in. He seems to score, but he never seems to play brilliantly, if you know what I mean. Which I suppose is a good trade for a striker, but the problem is when he starts... Chelsea need a striker who's going to hold up the ball and be kind of, uh, not, not so much combative, but just strong strong enough to, to hold up play, allow Hazard and William or Pedro to push forward and Alonso and Moses to wing back, allow all of them to push forward and get players off. Batshuayi is not good at that. He's much more kind of off the last shoulder, running in behind, whereas 
Chelsea kind of like to they do play a bit of counter attacking football where Hazard breaks free and Batshuayi is excellent at that from that position. But when the ball's kicked up to him and he's on his own, he kind of struggles a small bit. And I think that's the problem. And because he's coming on when he's making the cameo appearances, he's coming on for ten or fifteen minutes where defenses are tired. He has a chance to kind of and he's fast and he's quick and he's he's mobile. So he has a chance to use all those skills in the last ten minutes. I mean, you saw it against Atletico Madrid in the Champions League, where Chelsea went over to Spain and they came away with a win, which was. Phenomenally impressive, but I don't think Batshuayi is strong enough to play in the current Chelsea system as the main striker. So Morata's fitness is crucial for them. Interesting thoughts from an actual Chelsea fan there, and I suppose it would be remiss of us not to mention Watford and the amazing start they've made. They've won four and drawn three and only lost one game. That to City at Vicarage Road, and to be fair, it's no shame losing to Man City because I actually think they could win the Champions League this year. Never mind saying the Premier League. So Watford are going good guns. You've Chelsea and Arsenal there. Just just a word on Watford. Rob, try to put into perspective how progressive a coach Marco Silva seems to be so far. Yeah, he's done a, he's done a fantastic job. Look, we are still very early in the season and Watford will drop off, there's no doubt about that. Um, they're playing some entertaining football as well. He seems to be getting the most out of Tom Cleverley, which is who's who's a player who's been, you know, criticised a hell of a lot by, by United fans and by, by fans of other clubs as well he seemed to become a bit of a you know a, a joke you know there at one stage you know yeah a laughing stock you know but um, is, it a lot of, is it a lot of that lads with players like that that they need to be they need to get the arm around the shoulder they need to be believed in basically I think Tom Cleverley has always been a decent player um, but you know he, he's he's kind of um, he's, he's kind of a, a creative player you know if you give him the ball in central midfield positions, he will create chances for you, and he created a lot of chances for for Watford um, in in the previous game against Arsenal, playing the ball in between the two centre backs, which frightened the life out of Arsenal. So he's a key player for them, and if um, you know he can continue to get the best out of him and continue to utilise players like you know Troidini taking him off the bench, you know, and and using him for a specific role at that time of the game, you know, he targeted the the Arsenal centre backs and said, right, who's up for it? You know, and and you know he rattled them, and you know he is a very progressive coach. The one worry I would have would be that he did take Hull down last season. You know, I know he only came in halfway through the season, but you to know, be fair, I think Mourinho would have struggled to keep Hull up the way they were playing. Yeah, but look, you know, he's still taking a team down, so there is, you know, there is a there is history there. Like so, um, you know, they will drop off um, eventually. They won't be in fourth for the rest of the season. Um, but look, they'll be looking at maybe you know eleventh. 13 to be a decent decent finish for them and I think that's probably where they deserve to be with the exception of the goal difference uh, Chelsea and Arsenal have similar similar uh, tallies so far in the league both won four games both drew one game and both lost three matches just a word on Arsenal Steve what are their aspirations this year? That's a, that's a good question <laughs> I don't think anyone knows what, what to expect from Arsenal anymore I mean they're you still think of Arsenal, you assume they're still a big four club. But I wish, are, to be fair, are, they are. But they're still a big club in terms of history and all that, but in terms of form and in terms of playing and, the, and ability on the pitch, are they still a big four club? I mean, their two best players are out of contract at the end of the year and looks like they're going to be heading off Ozil and Sanchez. I mean, Ozil could be going in January, according to some transfer reports. Some people say he could be going to Inter or, or, or one of the Milan clubs. So, I mean, that's two huge players who have no interest in being at the club anymore. I mean, if you want to be a Champions League club, you need to be keeping your best players. I mean, I know they've signed Lacazette and they kind of stopped the rush at the end, towards the end of last season where they went in a terrible run of form. But 
it's hard to see how they'll break back into the top four this season with the way they're playing. Because, I mean, the Watford result proves that when the going gets tough, Arsenal don't get going. So I think I think, I think think they should have gotten rid of uh, Arsene Wenger last season. I think he's been an incredible servant. I think he gets horrendous stick from Arsenal fans because he's done phenomenal things at the club. But I think his time is kind of, was at an end, his natural end last season, especially after after kind of ending it on a high so I think I don't know I think they need to get rid of Wenger and even if they do get rid of Wenger they could have a, a, a transition issue like United had when Alec Ferguson left because Wenger has, is so crucial to the way that club is run but I I just think he's, he's not got the same command of the team that he once had in, in the late 90s early 90s To be fair I think the players should take uh, some of the blame for that as well they, think they need to take on responsibility themselves too um, I saw an interesting interview with Per Mertesacker on Sky during the week he seemed to kind of indicate that like you know that it really is up to us and I think the rest of them should probably take a leaf out of that but Rob we're we're looking at Burnley from this, for us presently 7th obviously again they probably won't stay there Liverpool are 8th like again you, Liverpool are so inconsistent aren't they I mean one day they can be mesmerising and the next day they can be just flat to the boards and defensively shambolic where are they standing and where they're at? Um, I, th- I think I think Liverpool are going to flatter to deceive again this season. Um, they've they've got a lot of quality going forward. There's no doubt about that. Salah for me has been the signing of the season. Absolutely I think he's been absolutely player. superb for Liverpool. They're they're missing Mane at the moment, which is a big loss to them. Um, but the one thing that they don't have, the two things that Liverpool don't have actually, they don't have a proper leader. In, in 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 the team, and I know Jordan Henderson is the captain, but but for me, he's not. He's, he hasn't got that bite. You know, you don't you don't see him organising things. You don't see him, you know, shouting the players, telling him to get into positions. Um, and they don't they don't have a twenty five goal a season player either. You know, Firmino, who's who's a decent decent player. Um, you know, does score goals, uh, creates a lot of chances, plays well in that kind of triumvirate that they have at, at the top of the pitch. Um, but Sturridge to me looks looks like he's gone. You know. It looks like he's not that he's finished. I mean, he can still do a job elsewhere, like, but just not that top quality that that you need to, you know, to to, to win titles. Well, to be fair, it's hard to know because we just never see him. I was a bit disappointed last week with um, with uh, United. I mean, look, you'd always take a, a point at Anfield, but I thought there was um, opportunities to be exploited there. I think Liverpool are very weak in defence. Especially United had no intentions of winning. No, the game. no second half they didn't bother attacking at all. But you know, I think Liverpool are very susceptible to to um, to set pieces, especially and you know when when they get rattled, they, they tend to concede goals. I I just I just don't see you know how Liverpool can be happy with Jurgen Klopp because he hasn't he hasn't in any way shown any sort of intention to sort out that defence I mean it, look it is a personnel issue but you can minimise um, the damages um, and they just don't seem to be set up to to defend when, when the going gets tough and, and they're, they're overpowered by sides I completely agree with Rob I mean I think the United Mourinho, I don't know what Mourinho was thinking going for a point against Liverpool I mean if he had sent Lukaku up there out and out attacking with Mkhitaryan playing off him Lukaku would have bullied Massive and Auburn in centre half. I mean, he would have gotten a goal. I mean, they they would have created chances if they had pushed forward and attacked. And maybe it's because they didn't have Pogba to deliver that trust from from the base midfield. But I think that was a real opportunity missed by United because Liverpool are so 
when 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 Liverpool have pressure at the back, they do kind of turn into a bit of a shambles. I mean, and your point about them lacking a leader is is part of that as well because they have no one saying, right, lads, buck up, pull up your socks, let's go. Because the way they had Carragher and Gerrard in the past, absolutely, yeah, they have no one of that ilk to to really drive the whole thing forward. I mean, and Henderson's being is criticised by England fans as well as they wonder why he's starting in centre midfield. They kind of would rather see him on the bench than in the in the starting team. And I think Liverpool fans might start to the tide might turn for him with Liverpool fans as well if he if the whole team doesn't pick up. Okay, so Steve, you're going Man City to win the league, Man City and Man United finish second, Tottenham third, Chelsea fourth. Just briefly Rob, your 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 four and we move on to the Champions League. The red side of Manchester to win the league, first of all. Um <laughs> of I think City will finish uh, a close second, so probably go ten points behind. Um, I think Spurs and Chelsea will make up the, the rest of the top four. Excellent stuff. Um, of course, it must be as you know, as you probably gathered, and we've said it many times. Rob McNamara is as red as it comes when it comes to Manchester. <laughs> hence, the reason he expects United to win the league by at least ten points. I'm gonna. By the way, that's on recording. You know, this is actually going to go out to the public. Like. That's okay. <laughs> well, uh, jokes aside, the Champions League. A couple of ex- couple of really interesting results during the week in the Champions League. Just briefly from Bordeaux, Steve first. Who do you think will win the Champions League, and which English team will go furthest? I think it's I, I think it's hard to look past Madrid again for the Champions League because I know they're not in great form, but I think see Dan manages that team very well and. He's done it. He's done it before twice. There's reports that he might be able to manage the team for much longer. The way things are going, well, which I is mad, I know. But. Which is, but that's just the that's football. The way it's gone. But I think Madrid have the. I think the way Zidane would manage, especially Ronaldo, in the latter stages of the Champions League. I mean, that's how they won it last year, in my opinion. I mean, Ronaldo, he kind of eased them back into the team when he got injured, and then unleashed them in the quarters and semis and the final. And I mean. It worked wonders. So I think if he does something similar again, he can he can recoup some of that form. But in terms of English teams, I think you have to, you can't look past Man City. I think they're phenomenal. And I think the the one thing that Pep Guardiola has done this season, as opposed to other Man City teams in the past, is that he has them. It's the closest I've seen a Man City team play like a team. They seem to enjoy each other's company on the pitch. They seem to be getting out. I know he was Kevin De Bruyne. Uh, had a little spat with Silva and Fernandinho during the week, but I mean, he came out and it was like having a spat with your wife. So I, th- <laughs> I think they kind of, he's, he's delivered that kind of team ethos to my, Man City that they've been missing for, for almost all of the time that they've had the, the super money. So I think, and, I mean, and they're so strong going forward, they will blitz defences in, in, when they play at home. So I think that they could go far. Okay. I think if Vincent Company regains fitness and he manages to maintain it which is a massive if given his track record I think Man City can win the Champions League Rob I think you're both running away which says um, uh, uh, look you can't you can't look beyond Real Madrid Barcelona will be there again PSG are building up ahead of steam finally in Europe after all these years defensively they're not great but when you've got the attacking options that they have Mbappe you know Neymar, you know Cavani. You know, look, I, t- I, t- I think I don't think the English teams will make much of an impact. Maybe one will get into the semi-finals, but Which look, one, Rob? I'd kind of err on the side of Chelsea. I think um, 
I think City. I think City. I think City will get to the quarterfinals easily. But when, when they come up against a top quality side, they might be showing up. I think Conte does have a point to prove the Champions League because he's never really thrived in that competition. Even when he was with Juventus and that all-conquering Juventus team, he's never really kicked on and delivered a, a really good Champions League season. So I think he will be eager to to prove Doucher's wrong. I mean, last night didn't help when they drew three all at Roma. But I think he will be eager to push on that competition. I think Kante is off at the end of the season and the priority for Chelsea this season is Champions League. OK, so there you have it, folks. The third edition of Paper Talk Extra. Steve Neville, myself, Peter McNamara and Rob McNamara. We'll be back next week with more discussion on all the latest sports topics. Have a good week. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com.